Welcome back, everyone. Episode 52. Going to try something different, give you a little intro. I think this is what we should have been doing all along. We stopped it halfway through, but it's a little harder with the software we got now. But we're making it we happen. Yeah, hey, we'll make it happen. We had Dave Snell on, met him through LinkedIn, maybe a networking meeting, not too sure. Um, but I had a call with him last week. Man spent 20 years in the Navy, went through quite a bit of depression and anxiety and PTSD and has been working through it since he said he's about 50 years old now so he's got some uh he's got some experience on us and so I figured we'd have him on he created a little methodology to get through depression and anxiety and now his one of his ultimate goals is to take that methodology and bring it to speaking events and stuff like this so it was his first episode or first podcast so glad to add another Another new yeah. podcaster on. Love that. Um, it makes me feel really good, especially, you know, at the end, they they typically say that it was nice and easy. So if you are scared to hop on a podcast, come on ours first. Yeah. Um, what, have what you got to say about One thing I liked about Dave uh, was that he doesn't, he's not scared of talking about the uglier side, like suicide attempts and all that. I don't know if you guys could tell, but me and Trevor are very open about that kind of stuff because we think that's, that stuff getting ignored is only making problems worse. So for his first podcast, I thought Dave, you did a phenomenal job. Um, really gets into topics, and, and he's great on keeping himself centered, too. Yeah. Know, he always brings it back to the original point, to the original question. Yeah, so, we went through quite a bit. Stigmas, his, his methodology, suicide, building relationships, transition from the Army, journaling, resources, finding your purpose i mean we went we went through it all it was uh it was great he would have fit in perfectly with episode one dude oh just about everything yeah yeah we yeah. we were talking about purpose slot like that was our first episode like how poetic <laughs> is that but no i had a phenomenal yeah. time and i'm really thankful for dave for coming on yeah there'll be some resources down below in the uh in the description we'll throw episode one in there give that one a listen that was, yes sir. it's nice to see where we were and where we're at now like we said on episode 50 so we're still moving along, looking for guests, of course. So if you guys got anyone that fits this description and kind of fits into the uh, guest profile that we have, send them our way, nsuicide.us. They can fill out a form and pick a time there. But if you're enjoying the show, like, comment, subscribe, and review. We'll leave that in the description. We need some reviews, start getting some more eyes on this. So if you like it, chances are someone else is going to like it. So if you could help us spread the word, that'd be great. Yep. And thanks to all you guys for watching us too. You guys are awesome. We're super thankful for everyone that watches us. And we're going to be getting some sponsorships coming up shortly. So giant things to come. Yeah, we are Dude. moving. Huge. Huge. Huge we'll come. see you. That was pretty loud for me, but welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I'll make sure it's not too loud for you guys. Um, we're back, episode 52. Uh, glad we're getting this one done. I'm actually going up to North Carolina. Sister's getting married this weekend, so very, nice. very excited for that. Well, we got Dave on. Dave, how you doing, man? Well, enjoying it. I'm having a, having a fun time with our conversation already, so I can only imagine where we're going from here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. How you feeling, Kev? I'm good. Good, bro. I'm glad you missed that hurricane. 
coming towards yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, and we're safe over here. Yeah. I was like, I expect this to be like Trev just tread water the whole episode. But um yeah, feeling good. Great day. It's a little gloomy because yeah, it's supposed supposed to be a hurricane. Work was a little crazy. You know, they could they could say on the news, this hurricane most likely won't hit us. The chances of it hitting us are one percent. And there will still be a lady in Walmart buying 600 eggs. And I'm not over-exaggerating. This lady was buying 600 eggs. It's like COVID with the toilet paper. Oh, my God. That baffled yeah. me because anything can be toilet paper. In a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for, for soldiers, yes, everything yeah. can be. Us, us guys <laughs> on the boat, we love our toilet paper. <laughs> yes, my wife ain't using anything but toilet paper, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> nice. But Dave, you spent you said twenty years in the Navy. You had you yep, were an officer, just, so you had to go through all the uh, you had to go through college. What'd you go to college for? Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech. And I will tell you that I I went straight for one reason and one reason only. The major did not matter. Was to get a commission in the Navy. There you go. Uh, but but I ended up with an economics major. I started out in engineering, went to international affairs. And, and unlike most guys, I wasn't on a scholarship. And it was totally voluntary for me through my senior year or junior year. And then I got a, a guaranteed commission if I graduated. And it, But at the end of my, about halfway through my junior year, I was like, I may not get this commission. I better have a degree so I can get a job. Yeah. So I, I switched my major and minor from international affairs to economics. Um, okay. And it worked out just fine. I got the commission. I did just over 20 years um, active duty. And um, that was, oh gosh, eight years ago I retired now. So you yeah, must so, have enlisted a while ago. Or yeah, commission. when was the, yeah, when'd you go to college and when'd you enlist then? Commission. Uh, uh, 91 yeah. to 95, I was at Tech and I commissioned the day before I graduated. So 95 to 2015, I was in the Navy. Ooh. Okay. Was it, was well, it cool before 9-11? I hear it was pretty chill. But I know, like, peacetime army is not the funnest place to be. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mixed bag. It's a mix of uh, I was on a ship for three years, two and a half years, and it was a lot of fun. And, and I, I had a, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a kind of a strange career path. And, and my cruises, my first two cruises were NATO cruises. So they were a lot of fun. You know, most guys were taking carriers over the Med Middle East through the med and over to the, to the gulf and they were doing a carrier ops off of operation southern watch now not my ship we went and played with nato so these guys are getting three or four you know uh, port calls we got 18 port calls in a six-month cruise and because it was it was only one u.s ship and a bunch of nato ships probably six or seven total eight total maybe <clears throat> and each time you pulled into port, uh, one of the ships would be the host ship, and yet they would throw a party. Oh, and each port, geez. each port call, you got to get a better. You had to do better than the last one. Got to do better than the last one. Got to do the whole nine yards. So you know, I uh, I drank my way through my first two cruises. Um, <laughs> and, and, and again, like we said before the show, I mean, I did this, you know, really to escape, you know, growing up. Well, I didn't grow up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, 
I went to cryptology for two years and that was, you know, Kevin, you say, you know, peacetime army is not the funnest place. That was kind of a, kind of a mixed bag, but it was not the go get them underway kind of ship life that I had before. Uh, I ended up uh, having a medevac in 2002, which took me off the ships and back to cryptology. And that was post 9-11. So, you know, life, it's a, it's a mixed bag, I guess, you know, as I started, it's a mixed bag. Depends on what you were doing, who you were doing it with in the peacetime. And then the same thing coming out, you know, depending on the command you were at post 9-11, it could be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I did some special operations time after um, being back in the regular Navy, if you will, on shore duty. You know, the Navy side, oh, you can't have beer in the in the skiff. Soft guys. <laughs> I want liquor in there. Yeah. It's a skiff. <laughs> like, who's watching yeah. you in there? <laughs> you know, Come on. And, and, and I get there. There's rules and there's regulations and for a reason. Um, but but we had um, we had a lot more fun in the soft community than we did in the regular Navy. So, again, mixed bag and depending on where you were. Um, I, you know, I just had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's and, funny and you say regular Navy because oh. that's what we say too is just the regular Army. And my dad will yeah. ask me a question. I said, "Well, if I was regular Army, it would be this way." But I was, <laughs> I wasn't regular. regular Army. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you so, must I mean, have. Was... Sorry. So you must have had some pretty cool parties with the NATO guys then, like with from different countries and stuff. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> laughing, dude. No, we're we're not going there. This is. Let's <laughs> say yes. Yeah, some of those some of those will stay between us on over a beer, not on a podcast. Hey, I like that. It must but, be a good you know, one. there's there's that old saying, you know, the beauty of being my age, uh, and I'm only fifty, um, was there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there were no little cameras that you could instantly get your picture. So there's no evidence and proof of what we did. So we're good. <laughs> we're gonna keep it that way. I can deny a story, I can't deny a picture. <laughs> yeah, and that you know that's funny because yeah, uh, Jordan Peterson talks about that too. Now, now it's much more. Uh, you, you're walking on eggshells, like being a kid in high school. You're walking on eggshells because anybody could be snapping a picture of you while you're at a party or taking a video or something, and you're screwed. Yep, <laughs> yep, I, could be game over. Yeah, yep. same thing. We're gonna keep that for another time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But you uh. Yep. You went through this. Uh, we'll get into the <clears throat> the methodology. You, you you said you created it, right? I kind of again. Um, I had some some, uh, some. I had a lot of fun in the Navy, but I had some bad times. Mm -hmm. um, I won't. I won't. Uh, I don't want sugarcoat it. And in the April eighteenth time frame of two thousand two, uh, I was depressed. I was suicidal. I got medevac from my ship for wanting to put a gun to my mouth or to my head. I don't remember where it was. I just, I was at a point where I called the, called the doc on the ship. We were in Busan, South Korea. I said, doc, take this damn gun and get me out of here. I'm, I'm going to do it if I, if you don't. And he got me <clears throat> sent back to, to Yokosuka and I uh, went through some, some therapy and eventually I did attempt, um, I guess it was March when I left the ship, April I attempted, and it was, it was some low points. Um, and I had you know, trauma 
as a child. I had trauma in the service, even pre 9-11, my going to the desert and, and um, supporting regular army and soft and Navy out there. Um, I, I eventually, again, in 2002, I did attempt suicide. But I, I will tell you that after that, <clears throat> the Navy, and I assume the Army, I think it's the same for all the services. You're in a depression. <clears throat> we're going to give you meds. We're going to give you therapy. Oh, you're fit. You're not fixed, but you're fit. We're good gonna, enough. We can send you, you're good enough. We can send you back out to the fleet or to the, to the infantry or to the fight. <clears throat> okay, great. So I had a number of episodes where this was the case. I was depressed. They filled me back, put me on some meds. Okay, six months of therapy. Great. That worked out fine. And and uh, I always go back in my mind when I when I left uh, Yokosuka, I went to the National Security Agency and I deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq from there. And I had an uncle who worked there who was 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 key in getting me into some of the key billets I wanted to do. And um, he finally looked at me one day, it was probably 2000, end of 2004, maybe early 2005. He said, I'm not helping you anymore. You have a death wish. You tried, oh. you failed. You want someone else to do it for you. I said, you know, I scratched my head and said, ah, oh, you're full of crap. I don't know what you're talking about. And eventually about 10, Almost 15 years later, I was talking to my therapist here who I was seeing during COVID, and she said, you probably were. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty hardcore. Um, and unfortunately, I've told him since, but he passed away earlier this year. My uncle did. Um, but to your point, and I'm <clears throat> sorry, I digress sometimes. Um, beginning of beginning of COVID, I was uh, over 200 pounds. And that was a marker I'd said I would never go over again forever. And I'd say, I'm saying I'll never do it again. And I got on a weight loss program with an old boss of mine who runs triathlons after he lost 50 pounds. He was doing, you know, doing them before, kind of mediocre, lost 50 pounds and his quality of his triathlons went up, um, qualified for Boston Marathon and et cetera. Oh, really? He qualified for Boston? At 60 years old. Like, for those who don't know, that's a really high standard to get. That is not yeah. an easy thing to do. I'm that's sorry. like an eight-minute, eight, 15-minute eight, mile for a 60-year-old, I think, somewhere around that, that marker, and he did it. So he, he helped me lose, lose a lot of weight, and I got interested in, okay, let me get back into running. And I started moving, and that's the first M of – of my 4M process that I go through every day. And I think about what am I going to do movement wise to help my body and mind. At the same time, as I'm going through that weight loss, my therapist said, we're going to try a new treatment. We're going to get you off these meds. Eventually we're going to get to the point where we're going to break through and you don't need me anymore. And that was the first time I had a therapist say, I don't want to see you anymore, essentially, yeah. but for a positive purpose. And she tried me on neurostimulation where they attack, you know, do a brain map to see where your brain frequencies are too fast or too slow. And there's the alpha, beta, delta, and gamma waves that our brain is always operating on. And in a depressed or anxious person, which I have a mix of both, it's either going too fast or too slow from, from a middle ground. 
and she did that for six months. And I, and along with that, she did what's known as a vagus nerve reset, which um, uh, for everybody, I don't know if I, you know, I'll explain is the vagus nerve is our largest nerve and it touches every major organ in our body. And it's the, it's the control for your fight, flight, or freeze um, responses to trauma, to experiences. So when you get the, the, the butterflies in your stomach, that's really your vagus nerve, you know, sending off a, a trauma response almost. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but we get into this, <clears throat> when you have traumas, um, post-traumatic stress in particular, for example, you know, your body's in this tense mode. It's always wondering, am I, what do I do? How do I respond? And this, this protocol, you know, kind of calms the vagus nerve. So you're not in that mode anymore. <clears throat> so I, so here are two things. Okay. Well, I've got my mom, my movement, you know, with my diet, my exercise that has an impact on your brain and helps calm it. You know, there's, there's endorphins, there's can cannabinoids, which help calm and slow down your, <clears throat> excuse me, your, your responses to traumas. And then I've got this doc doing this technical thing to my brain and bringing me back to a calm, I kind of think of it as. And at the same time, she's looked at me and said, well, what are we going to do long term? And I'd always been interested in meditation. And I'd always thought, well, meditation is blanking the mind. Think of nothing. Well, the brain can't do that. It has to, it, you know, don't think <laughs> of an elephant is the, is the, the lesson I learned. Well, the first thing you're going to start doing is thinking of an elephant, whether it's pink or, you know, regular or dancing or, you know, tuning its horn, uh, you know, whatever. Well, it's not, that's not it at all. It's about learning to calm the mind. Again, just like that vagus nerve, reset is calming the nerve and your response how can i use meditation to identify when i'm getting tense when i'm getting upset and just go okay the basic meditation method is focus on your breath just a simple breath focusing on the inhale and you know i like to think of it as i i think about it touching each of the the hairs of my nose and going down into my lungs and I, I think about a molecule and it's kind of a navy thing on the surface fleet we try to think of you know air through a gas turbine engine is a lesson that we have to learn on some of the ships and okay well and then the same thing coming out and just that one breath your body will start to relax and if you can start to do it over time your body relaxes a lot easier on just that one breath so there's three you know, movement, mind, meditation, and they all come back to help each other. Meditation will affect the mind and the body. So movement affects the body and the mind. Okay, so we've got a little interaction here. But then I started looking at, okay, well, I've got three M's. I've got these three things, but it, it, it means absolutely nothing to do my movement and get up and I run every day or at least six days a week, you know, in the gym one day a week, sometimes the same day I run. I'm always meditating and I'm always thinking about what's going through my mind. But if I don't have a purpose, you know, Simon Sinek calls it your why. Then what is the reason you get up to do any of this? What is the reason I get up to come in here to do this podcast, to 
engage with anybody, with to to study a new lesson, you know, gain knowledge, or to improve my body or my mind. Well, you got to have meaning, and it just kind of it, it didn't happen overnight that I put this together, but I finally realized, hey, there's an interaction here. You know, these three uh, work together, but on the basis on the basis of meaning. You know, the 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 foundation is the right word. And if you don't have meaning, these other three fall apart. You know, there's no focus to, <clears throat> okay, why am I running? Well, I'm running to help my mind. I'm running to help my body. But I have an ultimate goal. And you have to have goals. You have to have that, that end state, not just an ethereal, I'm doing it for my body and my mind. Well, I want to have something tangible. And in my case, we were talking about earlier, it's a marathon. And eventually a triathlon, maybe an ultra. I don't know. Having those those four interact has helped me go from traumatic response, short-tempered, drinking a lot, not working out, fat, to you know taking it from what Will Wheaton called, and, and Will, uh, I can talk about in a few minutes, is he had a speech that he talked about you can exist with mental health problems or mental illness or mental fitness. I prefer mental fitness or you can live with these things. I'd rather live than exist and just go through the day for the sake of it. Um, so I don't, I've, I've kind of, kind of gone a while there. I don't know if you guys have any questions for me or um, I, I need a drink too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it's just, it's funny that uh, you bring up like the you need the purpose for it all just because, I mean, first off, that was our first episode. That was the first thing I thought of, yeah. though. The first yeah, one. that that was our first episode uh, for the listeners out there. It's we. That's kind of what triggered in my brain because when I was getting out, I was getting med boarded from the army, and that's I don't I'm sure you know it's like an eight to twelve month process, and I was doing it during COVID, so. Yeah. And I, and I tell you what, through my 20 years, you know, especially in 2002, I thought I was going to get med boarded out for mental yeah. health issues, especially mm -hmm. post 9-11. You know, oh, yeah. we can't have this. Well, guess what? You know, I, I survived and. But it wasn't really living again. It was existing. Yeah. Not living. that that stigma in the Navy, too, where like if you do try to get therapy, it's like you're damaged goods or whatever well yeah um you know when i got sent back from yokosuka or from busan to yokosuka i got sent over from my ship i went to the desron which is our next higher echelon like an hhq for you guys i think um, but an operational command in and of itself and you know i kind of got these side glances oh that guy's a little sick that guy's got some issues um, and there were a lot of guys who were supportive who said, hey, what can we do to help? But there were still, I think, the older guys, uh, especially in the surface warfare community where I was at the time, it was a little bit of, yeah, the stigma was definitely there. And, and that's another topic I can go on. I just, I'm, I'm working in my thinking and doing these types of things and developing this methodology is to help break that stigma, talk about it. And I appreciate you guys doing this because it's really what it's about is, is understanding. And what I found in my discussions with folks, guys and gals, young and older, um, 
it's all there. Everybody has these thoughts. Everybody has these issues. My dad will probably pop me upside the head for using the word (laughs) issues, but we all have something going on that we're afraid to talk about. Well, why? Just do it. Just, just share. Yeah. And and that's what we noticed too, is it's just, so many people just need someone to listen. Like if you, yeah. even when I work, I'm working at Home Depot as a garden associate. So many people there just need someone to listen. And I end up talking to them for 30 minutes about whatever they want. It's not, it's not even about anything that they could buy at Home Depot. We'll just start talking because we're not talking and we're not listening. There's no one to go to to listen because everyone's so focused on themselves. Yeah. No one wants to. I mean, we're having this discussion with with Bert too, Kevin. No one wants to, quote unquote, help somebody if they're not getting something in return. Yeah. yeah. But there, there's no better feeling than helping someone without that's giving. There's no better feeling than giving out help and getting nothing in return. It's one of the best feelings. Is when I'm helping someone out, and I'm not expecting anything from them. If they give me something, great. But I know that when they leave my presence that I've helped them with whatever they were needing to talk about at the time. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, I was just thinking of uh, a lady on LinkedIn I just connected with up in Richmond who, Ann Moss Rogers, who does, I'm waiting for my t-shirt that says, you know, essentially it's, you know, listen, use your ears to help end the stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a big piece of it. Um, so yeah, to your point, Kevin, yeah, w- there is a, there's a stigma in the Navy. I think that's kind of coming down. I was a little bit more open about talking about um, mental health towards the end of my career. Uh, and I just finished um, in February was my last month. I did 19 months back as a contractor, which I told myself I wouldn't do again, but okay, I did it. And um, now it was really funny because there, there was a retired 06 who I think it was last September actually he went around and it was, you know, September being suicide awareness month. And he was going around, Hey, I just want to make sure everybody's doing all right. You know, it's suicide awareness month. I was like, yeah, I get treatment every week. And he looked at me and he goes, well, what are you talking about? And well, I attempted suicide. I went through this treatment. I did this mental health or this, uh, uh vagus nerve reset, met, you know, neurostimulation. And I, I move a lot. He goes, I never knew. Like, yeah, because you made fun of what we do. What <laughs> yeah. You made it a joke. But but I'm not going to be the guy who just goes, yeah, boss, I'm fine. No, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Right. And this, that's this is during, not, while I was getting out, that's uh, that's what I was saying. It's during that eight to 12 months, I was just searching in my head for a new meaning. I, I knew it was coming. I knew I had to do that. And on top of that, I just got divorced too. So like, I, I was starting again from ground zero. And that's what was happening is I I started going to therapy because I had nothing to lose anymore. And in special ops, we had the uh, security clearance. So if they had any reason to pull your clearance, they would pull it. Oh, and that's so no fast. one would go to therapy for it because they thought therapy was one of those reasons. And I, I didn't care because I, I was getting out there. I already <laughs> said they're done yeah. with me. So I'm going so, to therapy every month and coming back to our shop and the whole hangar. Telling everyone, yeah, I'm I'm going to therapy. Or what are you doing here, Trevor? I'm going to therapy. And finally, people started trickling into therapy because they knew that they could. Yeah, I tell you what, I I came back from Yokosuka to Fort Meade, went back to cryptology, and I'm at the National Security Agency, and I'm talking to my new skipper, 
and I'd just been reread back in. <clears throat> you know, I I still had my clearance. I just didn't have access anymore. They'd read me out, okay, because I was going through treatment. Uh, in, you know, not inpatient, but um, I was on limited duty. Okay, great. And I go back. I go to the skipper, and she looks at me. And she goes, "Okay, well, you know, what's the story? How'd you get back here? You you had just backwards and forwards between cryptology and surface warfare." And I said, "Ma'am, I've, I've got to tell you because of the nature of what we do, I am on, you know, uh, antidepressants." She's like, "Oh, well, we need to do a whole investigation. We need to figure this out and find out if you can have your clearance." <laughs> Why is no one going this? to get treatment? No, I don't yeah. know. Weird. And, and I, I looked at her. I said. Ma'am, I just got read back in because the SSO said it was fine. Well, I, I don't agree with that. Jeez, it's really not your call. If well, it really is, I'm I, I'm just kind of facetious here. But it was just kind of like you're the last CEO I'm ever going to tell I have I'm on this stuff. Then yeah. Now I got into some 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 higher classification stuff where they said flat out we need to know, and and it was more of a. You know, I hate to use the, the blackmail answer, but everybody knew I was on the stuff. It wasn't a secret, um, but it was it was more of a OK, it was a they, they made it more of, oh, well, if you were on a higher dose, then we take your clearance. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, they take I'm on it or clearance. I'm not. Uh, OK, yeah. What difference does 40 milligrams make? They're going <laughs> to take your clearance like. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I. I've made no bones about my mental health issues. And again, I like the term mental fitness now. I don't like the word mental illness. Whether you define it or not, however you define it, I'd rather be physically fit and mentally fit and start making an equation, you know, equivalence between the two of those and illness and fitness. But let's let that's my my Dave Snell opinion on that. But we can go down that path later if you want to. <laughs> no, it's it's remarkable to me that her reaction was just this like knee jerk kind of like you're 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 doing what the military says that you're supposed to, but yeah. then you get this kind of reaction from the skipper of all people. Yeah. Now I was thankful. I'll give Don Rumsfeld some credit here in 2006. I think I was out in Hawaii. I think I I still have a copy of the, the memo, and it's changed since but he changed the um the sf86 questionnaire to say look if you're getting mental health treatment for anything other than domestic abuse or use of alcohol or drug or drugs in particular i don't know about alcohol so he changed it so it wasn't as much of a stigma to go get the help you weren't going to lose your clearance because that's always the fear oh they're going to take mm -hmm. my clearance and so you know truth in advertising is my dad was a cryptologist back in the 70s and 80s into the early 90s and back then it really was at the national security agency and the navy cryptology at least i'm assuming same for the other services you go to a psychologist or psychiatrist you're out your, your clearance is pulled um for uh, whatever the period of time i don't know but it, it really was a, a threat of losing your clearance that changed over the 90s and into 2000s and now, obviously, we've got to break that stigma where you guys need to forget about the history and realize today you need to get the help. Yeah, and that, it wouldn't be such a big problem if you taught us how to deal with it. That's the thing. You teach us all this crazy I shit, can't do and we got to go through this, 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 and this. And for us, we had that six-week training. Six-week training of how to prepare for war. 
but you've never trained us once on how to come home after the war and be okay yeah. with what you went through. And on top of that, we go right back to work that Monday. What yeah. doesn't matter what day you get back, you go right back to work. So you, I wouldn't care that you would threat my security clearance if you train me properly on how to deal with it. Cause then you could say, look, we trained you and you still can't do it. I mean, those people, you train us how to run, jump, whatever. And if they can't do it, yeah. you kick them out. If you train well, me on how to be mentally fit, I wouldn't, there wouldn't be a stigma because you've, you've taught us how, and it's, it would still be a little iffy, like, uh, going to therapy, whatever, but it's, it's, I, this, think, uh, I think there's a, there's a sea change, if you will, in how to do it. You know, I'd see, um, a couple of organizations who are making trips out in particular to the army bases and trying to, her, her concern is veterans, but she said, look, I've got to go back to the I got to go upstream. There's an old Desmond Tutu quote of if somebody keeps being pulled out of the river, you know, continues to be pulled out of the river, why don't we go upstream and see why they're falling in? And she said, okay, well, we have this veteran, you know, after we get out of the, the service, why don't I go back to before you get out and start teaching you how to deal with traumas, depression, stress, right. Uh, anxiety. How do we how do we go upstream like Desmond Tutu suggested? Um, and I and I appreciate that she's doing that. in one particular lady I'm thinking of, but there I've seen a couple of organizations try that. And the fact that um, even you know mindfulness, meditation, mm -hmm. you know whatever term you want to use, that's being integrated into some commands. But it's it's really a piecemeal piecemeal uh, project, if you will, because it's not a not a concerted effort on the part of the forces. Right. Um, you know, there's no service directive saying we will engage in mindfulness, meditation, um, you know, movement as a, you know, as a as a means to help our mind and get over that. So I see um, people get pulled in because they have a network of people who say, Hey, this girl or guy came in, taught us mindfulness and it proliferates, but it's not coming down. It's, it's, it's within the commands themselves. Okay. And that needs to change. I think. Yeah. Uh, if anything. Makes me think, can they even change that? Because we still have to fight wars. Well, you know, I think you can, if you get to, you know, Trevor, your point of, how do we identify that something is wrong? Yep. You know, too many times we get into this macho world and it, look, I got into it. I was all about killing bad guys and, yeah. you know, yes, you know strong yes, versus the weak. And, and look, I'm, I'm not a big guy. <laughs> I'm not a, not a physically active guy. I was a nerd. I was a spook. I was a guy who worked at, you know, NSA and did these things in the rear or kind of middle ground. I was never out forward. I never kicked down doors. But I got into that mentality working with those guys and okay, well, they don't want to talk. They don't want to identify that something's wrong. You know, look, I'm not going to tell anybody never to drink, but I drank like a fish when I was in the Navy. I, mm -hmm. like I said, I mean, I, I, you know, we, we'd have a beer in the, in the, in the skiff and kind of just hang out. We worked hard. We played hard, but alcohol, you know, we've, we've tried to uh, 
not desensitization, I guess is the right word maybe, to alcohol and not making it as big a part of everything we do, every party that we're at. But that's a, you know, we, we, we hide our, hide all these issues in alcohol for many decades in the Navy and the military in, in mm -hmm. general. And we, we kind of need to say, okay, we, we've, we've taken that out. And here's, I guess I'm going somewhere with this. And what I, re what I recollect is two things. We used to have base um, uh, bars, you know, the O club, the E club, Oh yeah. you could drink on base, but then they got rid of those and they're like, Oh, go drink out in town. Well, what happens when you're out in town? You're going to get in trouble with the local police. You're going to get DUIs. You're going to get these problems. And then you wonder why we're having retention issues. Well, you're kicking everybody mm -hmm. out because they're drinking because they're working hard. And then what, what happened to the days when you could have it on base and the guy could walk back to his barracks room or if he got in a fight, then it was just kind of taken care of locally, no charges. Um, and I, I kind of digress on my, my, my soapbox on that, but the alcohol, the, the reason I'm going there is how do you change this is, is you start presenting the lessons to make it okay to talk, identify the, the actions of someone who is in distress. In distress, I mean, whether they're depressed, isolating themselves, you see something change in their financial situation. If you know that they're getting divorced, um, I, I honestly, I, I think that's a big one. But if we're not teaching these things, and, and if we're having these these commanders who are joking about, hey, I hope you're not suicidal. Well, <laughs> God, I'm, no, so, sir, I'm sorry to I, laugh, man. I'm sorry. No, absolutely. I, I get your laughter because that's what they sound like. Yeah. And then they wonder why, oh, we're fine. Don't worry. Why did he try to kill himself? Why did he kill himself? And then he's why going to his he's going to his boss saying, No, I asked him and he he just straight lied to me then, sir. I guess Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and we get into this, you know, do loop of, oh, we're fine, we're fine. Well, why didn't he talk to me? Because you're you're not setting the environment that we can talk to you. Yeah, you know, right. that's that's um, a huge thing right there. You know, I well, you have, have an open door policy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you use it, yeah. yeah, call call me when call me when that works, okay? And I'll oh. keep my phone on. Hey, yeah, yeah. me too. Um, you know, I I I've had a, a mixed bag with my experiences of of dealing with people about this topic and my own internalization of the issues. Um, it's never a fun, fun position to be in, mm. as you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to minimize your, your, mm. you know, story behind it too. And it, it's going to change eventually, but, and, and to your point, Kevin, you know, we still got to go to war. Yeah, we got to go to war. We're going to see nasty things. It's the, it's the pre engagement. Here's the situation, things you got to look for and afterwards being open to listening to it. Yeah, and the the big problem, yeah, like you're saying, being able to notice it. Me and Kevin, we got a good buddy that we weren't able to notice it. No one noticed it, and then oh he hit God. his breaking point, and we were like, "What the?" We thought he was fine. Like, it how, seems how did this so happen? Obvious too. But no, so if no one's teaching it from the top, the leaders don't know. That means eighteen, nineteen year old kids coming in are going to have no idea, 
And now they have to learn on their own. They have to hit that rock bottom. Like I, if you're, I was even this morning, I was talking to my therapy, my therapist, and he, I was talking about just alcohol. He said things that they say in AA, and I, I say it too, is in order to get over your alcohol, you have to hit rock bottom. That's that's everybody in AA has hit rock bottom. So now you got these yeah. 19 to 20, 23 year olds, because at 19 to 20, you could get drinks. Everybody in the barracks has drinks. You have to hit that rock bottom. Because we never did now, in college. Yeah, yeah right? no. Y'all were over there reading the Bible in college. I'm sure. Yeah, we're we're I'm hard sure. studying every night. Yeah, yeah. Calling your mom over there. Yeah, yeah. But you, you then the the soldier runs into that rock bottom, and it's like, well, what the hell? We're kicking you out. And then it's either their suicide in in the military or their suicide after, and that's why we got the veteran suicide number and the people in service suicide number because nobody knows what to do no one knows no one's teaching it because we're not talking yeah and like i said we're, we're seeing an incremental small change to that with organizations bringing people in but again where's the where's the directive from the service chiefs yeah you know admiral gilday just left from the cno spot I remember he made, I don't remember the details. I'm not, I, I could be taking the task for screwing this up, but he made a statement to the effect that we've got to get down to the deck plates and start understanding this. Well, no kidding, Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's, here's my, my perspective. You know, I, I remember, again, my dad was in the Navy. I have uncles in the Navy. I have family in the services. Great. My first deployment we only had about, I, I call it 300 people max on that ship, maybe only 250. Uh, but I knew everybody's first name. We, obviously, we didn't call everybody by that. But I knew their first name and at least one other piece of information about them, whether they had a family, where they were from, they were interested in, what their career aspiration, whatever it was. Um, and... What I've noticed through 20 years in the service and then coming back to it as a contractor a couple of years ago is ivory tower leadership. I'm up here. They can come to me. I'm not going to come down to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll filter up to me if there's something wrong. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, just, that's just not it. That's, it's, it's, it's not what we in the Navy call deck plate leadership. You know, the chiefs will tell the divos or come to the CMC and tell me if I'm the skipper or the CMC. They'll come tell me. Well, I, I personally did not really experience that. I'm sure there are commands out there that it happens. Um, but I can't think of a time in my career where I really saw upward flow of negative information like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just think of the uh, save, Saving Private Ryan. They're walking through that field and they ask. They ask Tom Hanks, like, hey, uh, what do you think about this, boss? And they're like, well, I never I never bitch down. I only <laughs> bitch up. You bitch to me, and then I bitch up, and then I bitch up. But this yeah. isn't something where, like, I can't come to my leader, and I, I didn't. I wouldn't go to my leader and tell them that I'm having issues because I know my leader already has enough issues to take care of. So unless you come to me and ask me, so that I know your plate isn't completely full, because that's that's what I see it as. Your plate's full. You don't you don't have time to deal with me. Well, I, I would submit that's um, that's not a 
if he has set or she has set that environment that you are not comfortable to come to them with a problem, that's a problem. Yeah, there you go right there. Yeah, Because no matter how full my plate is, if one of my sailors or soldiers has an issue, and look, I will guarantee you, I know of one guy in particular, an airman, who has told me, Mr. Snell, I really enjoyed hanging out with you socially. I hated you as an officer because uh, I was a hard ass. And, yeah. and now that I know it's a trauma response, but, it, but at no time, if one of my guys comes to me and says, Mr. Snell, I'm having a problem with my wife, my finances, my health, my whatever. If I can't take everything else off the plate to solve that problem, right? maybe not 100%, but say, look, I can't help you, but I know who can, or I need you to go talk to this guy or gal, and they will get you, and I'll keep track. If they can't do that, then that's a failure. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I always had issues when I first got promoted to be an NCO in the Army. I was like, the the dude who was in charge of our shop when I first got there, we kind of got promoted alongside with each other. And he was always telling me, he's like, Taylor, you got to be tougher on the guys. You got to be mean and like yell on them and stuff. I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. That's just like, that just made me afraid of you. What, what, but there's time and place. That? There's time and place. Right. Yeah. Ke- yeah. Kevin yelled at me one time. One time. <laughs> one of yeah. the two times in the army that I yelled at someone. Yeah. He got, he yeah. got me pretty good. But like but, that, I still, I feel bad about that, you know? But like, and even then, though, like in in that moment, that I'm like, okay, no, he's serious. So if you you pick your battles wisely and you yell at me at the right time, it's like, okay, no, I need to I need to listen to this guy. And like, yeah. I could explain that to Trevor, like, oh, I was just stressed about any of right. the other million things I was doing. But yeah, like, but then but then yeah. look at the relationship you guys have had since. You know, there right. there was a rapport that, hey, Kevin just yelled at me. Something is something is serious. Something is wrong. I can, you can relate because you've had a relationship. And, um, you know, I got underway on a U.S. Navy ship for the first time in 19 years last summer. And I saw a, uh, a better rapport amongst officer and enlisted than I'd seen when I was on ships. And that was 20 years prior. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and a lot changes in that time. But, um, and while that's true, you still have guys who are, you know, I'll say from and, I, and again, I'm coming at this from an officer perspective, and and mind you, it's been eight years. Um, there's still guys who are very, I'm an officer; they can come to me, or I'm not going to work. You know, they're down there, and I'm up here. Well, that's that's not the way to do it. Oh, yeah. and, right. And go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. And I was just going to relate that just to the outside world too, because now that I'm working in the outside world, and I. I want to direct this podcast to an audience that aren't just veterans. It's normal, normal living citizens too. It at my job. Now there's, there's no talking like that. It is like that. It's exactly like that. Come to me. If you have a problem, do your job, leave me alone. And just, just that little ounce of leadership to where, you know, what's going on in my life, or, you know, a little bit, well, it won't just help me. It's going to help you too. Cause when you need something done, you could come to me and say, Hey, Trev, like, how's the family doing? Or how's your car doing? Whatever it is. And then I get to talk a little bit about it. And then you ask me, okay, would you mind doing this for me? We got this going on. And it, it's, it's reciprocal. You get, you, you get some out of it. It's not just you going out of your way. Oh, I'm only making 20 bucks an hour to hear everybody's problem. Well, first off, that's your job. 
if you're a manager or leader. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do it. And second yeah. off, it, it's going to help you in the long run. And it's just uh, an, another thing I was talking to my therapist about today is that there is no, there is no team where I work. I, I don't know if it's just where I work but or other places. By the sounds of it, it's other places too from what my dad's telling me and all that. But there, there's no team. It's everybody individually just going to work, getting paid, and going home. But it, it would make it a lot easier if you're in a position to even move up, if you're not even that leader yet, for those listening. Just just talk to people. Make your presence known. Make Let people know you're here if you, if you need me. I, everyone knows they could call me on that stupid work phone, and I'll be able to go help them out. <laughs> Everyone knows well, that they could do that. Seven you know? nine I, eight. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're hitting on a on a key point, Trevor. I mean, the the fact is, you know, we always get told as veterans we bring a special quality to the workforce. You know, leadership, drive, willingness to do things. Um, it doesn't take a position to be a leader. It takes a person, and his empathy their relatableness, I know that's not a word, but to, to be able to, you know, the relationships that we build, that's a leader. That's someone that you know you can go to, problem or good, you know, for, to help or to ask for help. That's why I had no reservations about complaining down to the guys when I was in charge of that. Mm-hmm. I yeah, was, I, I'm sorry, I was the first one to complain, not like about anything that would affect big shit right but it was like yeah. i like i'm a human being bro like of course i'm gonna complain to y'all about the stuff they're telling me up there right yeah again there's time and place yep. you know you don't and you pointed out there's some things you don't vent down but if if that's your i would submit that if that's your relationship with your coworkers, you know that's an issue you've got to you know from the military side you know, there's there's the horizontal and then there's the vertical. Um, yeah, and, I will say, yeah, I think the only th- reason that it worked with us was because we were so good at separating that. Like, there was such a good line that we could follow. Like, I could go hang out with Trev after work, but like, yeah, while we're at work, we're at work. But the benefit though was that when he gets a speeding ticket, he comes right up to me, and then we <laughs> go get our ass chewed and then come back and go back to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the the special operations community is is unique in that regard. Where you know you can, I remember being in Cambodia for two weeks, hanging out with everybody from O five to E six, and we were partied like it was you know partied like rock stars. But when we got into work the the next morning, it was yes sir, no sir, sergeant, right. you know petty officer, chief, whatever. Um, you, there's there's a there's an understanding. In the, in the community that we're gonna, in the cryptologic community, we had, we were known for a little bit more fraternization than, than others, but um, it was, it's an incestuous community, but so is the special operations community at the same mm-hmm. time. But, um, you know, we had our, we had our fun, um, but we knew that once we were in the work, yeah, it's done. I remember <laughs> uh, a chief petty officer, decided to take me to task because I insisted he called me by my first name. I would call him the same while we were in Iraq with a special operations unit. And he wrote me up. 
he filed an article against me that I was fraternizing. What? And his yes, and, and the answer was uh, the the commander called me in and said, "Hey, I've got this charge against you. Kind of tell me the story." And his problem was that I, you know, we were all on a first name basis in my little cell, and we're all national security agency guys supporting special operations community. And he wrote me up for this, and I told the I told the commander, I said, "Look, let me tell you this. I tried to. I had a." All the guys went to dinner and I got a phone call and I couldn't hang up and call them back. It was, I need the J2 right now. Lieutenant Colonel, I said, hey, I'll call Colonel Smith. Colonel Smith, I need you in here now. And I've got the phone here and I'm right, reaching out to the door and he wouldn't answer me. He's just, I know he hears me. We're not that <laughs> far away. Okay, he's just I know typing he away. Just typing away. And I finally said, F it. Joe, Dave, was that so hard? Just call oh. me Joe. Just call me Joe. And I was like, okay, yeah, fine. And I told the commander that, and he's like, why are you being charged for this? We're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we had that kind of rapport that we could, you know, except with that, that one guy who tried to ruin it essentially for everybody was, okay, we're going to work hard. We're going to play hard, but we're going to keep it professional. Um, I, I think there's a change to some aspect of that in the Navy now. I don't know. I, I just know a couple of small examples I've seen. Um, but but you got to have that relationship, right? You got to right. know who's who's having problems. You got to know, and and not just about problems, but you got to know who's who's succeeding and, and acknowledge them. You know, hey, just had a kid. You just you, you did a really good job on that project. Let's reward you, even if it's just great job. That might be all you need. Yeah, the um, recognition. Yeah, um, and, and and in all of this, I'm not of the belief that we will ever. You know, that the 22 a day number, whatever, whether it's higher or lower, doesn't matter to me. The fact is, we have suicide in the veteran community. And we need to, and as I look back up on my screen, end suicide. I don't think we're ever going to get the zero numbers. Right. I think that what we have to do is set the conditions where we know we have done everything in our power without question to know that we have talked to people, given them the resources and the ability to use them effectively so that we don't have to worry about this anymore. There, right. There's always going to be somebody who, in the spur of the moment, and I mean, literally, I mean, my wife, my wife leaves me. I can't live without her. I'm going to do it. Boom. And it's yep. a regrettable incident, but it's not a, it's not a, a, a result of decline over time into depression and suicide. Yeah. Those I think are the hardest ones. Like I was in for, eight years total, seven years at the 160th. And I probably went to 12 to 15 funerals, right? And I would say probably 90% of them were someone taking their own life for like, like financial issues. Cause that's going to get your security clearance pulled, you know, yeah. stuff that like, to me seemed kind of surface. Like I don't want to like denigrate them at all, whatever, but like, these seem like problems that we can fix. And it's like, right. that was the hardest part is like, we have the tools to do this job, but it's just not getting done. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the story I go to is uh, uh, Bosun Mate Chief Greenup. Um, and, and that story I just relayed about, you know, my wife is leaving me. That's that's based on a real guy. That was Chief Greenup. He was my chief petty officer. Um, I We had just home port shifted from Norfolk here down to Mayport, Florida. I had flown back here to get my car and I drove back. And that night that I left and came back here, uh, he killed himself. He, he took a small caliber bullet to his chest, didn't die, took a second shot and bled out on life flight. And it was all because his wife was leaving him. They had financially overextended themselves. She said she didn't love him anymore. He ran into their home, locked himself in the bedroom and bang, bang, two shots. Oh my God. Yeah. I, and that was my first experience with service-related suicide, 1997, August of 1997. Um, and it's real. I mean, and that was even well before we got into 22 a day, you know, 9-11 or post-9-11 Iraq and Afghanistan and troubles. That was, again, the spur of the moment, to bring it back a little bit, is the spur of the moment suicide. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of. I'm more worried about the guys who are not able to talk, don't have the resources or don't believe they've got the resources and they don't have a, you know, a, a further back to a methodology to say, what do I do to, to improve my mental fitness? Well, you move, right. you, you go to therapy, you have uh, meditation to always ground you, but what, why are you doing what you're doing? You may be, and again, your meaning may be short term where I just want to get out of the service. A lot of guys are just like, I'm here to get out. <laughs> you know? yep. Okay. Well, that that's okay. You still have a job to do. And then what are you going to do beyond that? Have a short term goal, have a long term goal. You know? Yeah. And that's so what, those- that's what I say too, is like the, the short term goals are just as important. Like for me, I, I couldn't think of a long term one. I was hunting my purpose for the long, I mean, two and a half years trying to figure yeah. out something, but my short term was, just stay alive and just do a little bit better than I did yesterday, if not match what I did yesterday. Yeah. Because then there's, there is no decline. You can't go down from there. <laughs> yeah. and, I th- and, I, and I think, you know, we talked last week, Trevor. I mean, your goal of, you know, PhD in, in mental health issues is, is, is the greatest long-term goal you can have in this topic area. Mm-hmm. I think it's phenomenal. You know, how, how can you impact you know, through through education, but through your experiences, personal and professional, that have shown you what this this life can be after mental fitness, you know, after depression, after anxiety, whatever it is, suicidal ideations. Um, I will tell you, I I will not lie. <clears throat> Even you know, I have them very infrequently now, but as as recently as 2019. I had suicidal ideations every day. I was low. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I will never attempt again. Right. I have a I have a 15 year old daughter who I just adore and I love to spend time with. And my family here, I love spending time with. I can't see being without that or having them without me. Not that I'm that great a father or, or husband or whatever, but just to to know that I'm here, you know, in a high or a low, they they know they can come to me. I will never attempt again. And I know that that's, you know, my meaning 
is to set you know, what's my changing and focused on improving my physical and mental well-being because I want to be physically and emotionally available for my family first and foremost. That's my meaning, my big why. And then inside there, I've got my my marathon, my my races, my my professional goals, my personal goals, whatever. You know, I, it's an important aspect. Yeah, and that's I'm the same way. It's still those thoughts still just come out of nowhere. Honestly, don't, I don't know where it starts. I don't know how it gets there, but wake up one day and they'll just be there. But right, just but, like but you, you have the you have the the foundation right to ensure that you don't act on them right and you have an outlet to say i had this ideation why did it come up i'm going to talk to my therapist about it or i'm going to talk to kevin or you can call me i don't care i'm happy to talk about these things and make sure that they don't become actions yeah. uh, for anybody uh, anybody here can call me you know it's it's an important aspect where guys get into this isolation of i don't know who to talk to because i haven't Set, you know, the relationships around them haven't been established. You know, Kevin, right. to our point earlier, the command structure hasn't opened the door <laughs> in, in true fashion. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nominal. Well, my, my door is always open, but you have to go through the chain of command. I get that. Go through, the chain of com- <laughs> go through the chain of command. But if it fails to go through the chain of command, you can't harsh on me for, for having that, that discussion. You know, hey, I don't feel comfortable talking to um i don't feel comfortable talking to my department head i'm going to go to the to the xo i have to have that feeling i can right. if, if you don't have and, and take it out of the military if i don't have um somebody at work or i don't have somebody in my family or a friend i mean shoot i don't care if it's even somebody at a bar not that i'm espousing drinking while depressed but <laughs> the point is you got to have somebody you can just say something to hey i think i'm suicidal i'm going to call 988 there's pluses and minuses there but i have to have somebody i can call right you know you have a foundation where you know where to reach out to resources well yeah <clears throat> now even during the time i was like planning on it in 20 2019 or 2020 one of the two i can't remember it was after COVID, so 2020 2020 <laughs> but, yeah I, I was back at the house yeah 2020. yeah but um <laughs> I felt I called any everybody on my list and finally someone picked up but it if I didn't have eight numbers instead of five who knows where I would have been you know like I, I called five that no one answered I called three more it's finally the last person picks up but you just like you said taking it out outside of the military you still need to build that relationship with people around you and at work, I mean, you're at work more than you're at home now. Yeah. Most people, are, you know, most people are at work yeah. than they are at home. I'm so. not, but I work yeah. in my own <laughs> home. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, if you don't have that relationship at work, when something happens at work, who are you going to turn to? Who are you going to call? Yeah. You're at work. You can't really well, hop on the phone. They don't want you to hop on the phone, whatever it is. You, well, you now have no one now to call we you. have the 988 number at least. Right. You have an asset, an outlet to reach out to whether, you know, I can go on to another soapbox and I'll just leave it at this is whether they're tracking you or not coming to your door or not talk to somebody, you know, I've, I've heard some, I've heard some 
I call horror stories of guys going, well, I called the number and then they showed up my house and said, I need to come with them. Well, I don't know veracity. I'm just, whether they're listening or not, call somebody. If that's your, I've gone through seven, that's my eighth, fine. Let it be, so be it. They don't have to be your first, but they got to be on the list. Mm -hmm. You know, and, I have a, oh, sorry, Kevin. And two, we got to be the people <clears throat> that are on that list. Like, right. it's easy for us to say, okay, call someone if you have an issue. But if you don't have anyone to call, like, yeah. we're shooting yeah. ourselves in the foot, bro. Like, be cool with people. Like, yeah. Yeah, don't don't be the 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 asshole 99% of the time and then go, hey, I need somebody. Well, I don't want to talk right. to you if you're an asshole 99% of the time. Oh, hell yeah, no, no one's going to pick you, up that phone. Hell yeah, no. Yeah, you've, you've got to have relationships that we've 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 brought ourselves out of, you know, I'm not going to blame, but you know, social media has kind of put us in our own little bubbles instead mm -hmm. of having human touch which is very important for the mental health. The mind needs to have touch. It has to have, you know, proximity to other humans. Um, it's very important. And we lose that when we, when we come out of the military, where we're kind of on our own now. Yeah. And if we haven't built the relationships in the service to know who we can call on the outside, then we kind of fail ourselves and our shipmates, our, our soldiers and friends. Um, you know, I've got a guy who's down in the, just north of Tampa who I was in Sox, or I relieved him in Soxent uh, from NSA. And I tell you what, he and I have an agreement. Unless he's deployed, got it, he still goes out uh, as a civilian now. I can call him up right now and say, hey, Jace, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm done. I, I quit. I'm, I'm ending my life. And we will stay on that phone call as he drives to here or I drive down there. Yeah. Wow. We have that relationship because we both know that we suffer or lived with post-traumatic stress issues. We've both gotten beyond them through our own means. Um, but, and I guarantee you today, if I were to go low and call him, except with the storm coming through South Florida right now, we're, we're in a car driving to the other. Should I take me a boat over to your ass? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You see, Something, you see my bro. point. You see yeah. my point. I mean, there's, you've got to have human relationships beyond what did I type on my computer to somebody in an IM? You know, yeah. whether, yeah. whether you're close with that person or not, I, I think we're losing some of that. And I'm seeing that with, with, um, with the number and increase in teenage ER visits for mental health issues, yeah. for suicidal attempts, for suicides in the, and I'll call it the 14, 15 year old to 2025s. We're seeing that increase. And, I, and I, I'm kind of lumping a, a huge segment there, high school, college age and beyond, but it's the same generation. Right. Which is why, why I'm doing so. So I, we, we've got to get back to how do we talk to people? And having that understanding, okay, this is what human interaction is. <laughs> right. And that, I mean, now when I go to lunch, there's, there's no one to talk to on lunch. Everyone's on their phone with their iPod in. Like, yeah, I, exactly. There is no going to sit down and have lunch with a coworker anymore because everybody's yeah. listening or watching something. Everybody, you're just on your phone too much. And then yeah. that's, I mean, that's a lot of where the anxiety comes from. You're on your phone so much and you realize, oh, 
now I have to deal with the real world. Like, yep. well, how do I deal with the real world? All I've seen is what's what's on my phone. <laughs> yep. I've lived in my virtual world of video games or, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook or Instagram. And everything looks great on those on Instagram and Facebook. Well, the world isn't rosy and colorful for everybody's happiness to be there. Life sucks sometimes and you got to know how to deal with these things. And having the relationship to go through it together or vent is important yeah it's kind of paradoxical in a way because we're so connected with social media but we're we've never been so isolated at the same time yeah and and look at you know we bring up covid i mean why did suicide skyrocket during covid we Mm. pulled everybody away from everybody go isolate yourselves well i live by myself Ooh. Well, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you want to kill I'm, grandma, bro? Get your ass in the house. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it was a, it was a fear mongering and I'm not, again, another soapbox I'll stay off, but it, it was the isolation is where, where I mean to go here. Well, that's not healthy. Right. You know, right. Again, they did some, not, study, some study over in a third world country where they took zero to two year old children put them in a warehouse and it was something like 70 percent of them died and it's not because they couldn't play they didn't they they weren't able to talk to each other they got sick still weren't able to talk to each other they weren't able to play the parents didn't play with them there wasn't any toys and they just died because humans need to play humans need to have that that like you said work hard play hard we're life is hard, animals. right? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and and life is hard. We're working every day with life, but if you don't have that little inch of play, you're going off the deep end. Yeah, yeah. I think it's absolutely right. I mean, you got to have interaction. You got to have play time, and, and and at the same time, you know, what happened during COVID? The number of bike sales went up, skyrocketed, because people had to get out. Yeah. And you had to do it by yourself or with your family. So you weren't too close to somebody else. Okay, well, that was a that was a positive that I saw coming out of COVID. You know, we, we yeah. see more people finding their way back to nature, if you will. Outside, biking. I got into running. You know, pools were closed. Oh, God, we might, you know, spread a disease. Well, you might spread happiness, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it uh, it's very troubling to to look at those numbers uh, through COVID, and I know, not directly, but through three of my high school friends up in the D.C. area, new people, at least one each, one girl I know knew two guys who uh, committed suicide because they were lonely, they were isolated. Well, yeah, okay, I mean that that's just. Um, I really get struck on the number of suicide, the, the amount of suicides we saw during COVID because of that isolation. It's very yeah. troubling. Well, how was it when you were getting out? How how was your transition out of the, the Navy? Because, I mean, 20 years in is a lot different than me spending four and a half. Long time, man. Yeah. Well, did, um, did you have to grow up then? Is that when it started? <laughs> no. It's, it's my, <laughs> Like my daughter said, uh, even just today, I took her to the doctor's appointment earlier. She said, 
you're more of a child than I am. Um, so there's, it's a mixed bag with, with my retirement. Um, I got out because I higher tenured as an 04. I didn't make 05. So a 20 year mark is, is the higher tenure cutoff. So, okay, I got to get out. And I told myself, Hey, I'm happy with this. I'm good with it. But really I wasn't done. I thought there was more I could do. And I wanted to go continue to play. I say play, but go work with the, the special operations community, do different stuff. I'd been in uniform for 24 years, you know, four years of college in the ROTC program mm-hmm. uh, to commissioning through 20 years. Um, I still had lots of friends who were still promoting. I've got a couple who, who've made flag. Oh, okay. So, hats off yeah. to them though. That's a big yeah. thing. It's a very big thing. Not something that I, I could ever see in my life doing for me. I, I, I joked around about it in 98, but I didn't have the mentality for it. I see. So it was, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was a little, uh, it was a little disheartening to have to get out. I made the best of it, but, and while that all happened at the same time, I was still struggling with, I'm not good enough. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm not sure what to do. And, you know, we always fall back on and, you know, okay, I've got my retirement. I've got, I'll get this ability eventually. Um, but the, the, the sense of purpose, the meaning again, really was kind of, I floated for several years. Um, I went to work as a contractor for four months and I said, okay, when I get out, I want to do project management. Okay. So my first job was really four months long of the, the CEO of the company and I had an agreement. I'm filling a billet for you as a contractor but I'm going to be going off to interview for these other jobs. Um, and frankly, so that was November. I left there and I went to a project management job at a hospital. Quick, quick story. Um, I was stressed at work. I was stressed at home. I was depressed. I wasn't functioning at the level that I expected for me that I could perform at this high level. So it, that furthered my depression. And in February of 2016, I had a breakdown. I was crying. I was shaking. I was just beside myself. I wasn't suicidal, but I just, I just, I don't want to call it a nervous breakdown. I don't think it was, I've heard stories of nervous breakdowns. This was not, but I just broke down. I, I just was beside myself. And I worked at a hospital. Here's some irony for you. I worked at a hospital as, a, as an IT project manager manager and i'm looking at the er 50 yards in front of my parking spot and i said i can go in there and explain for the next 45 minutes to this guy or gal here's my history with mental health here's my history with stress and depression and anxiety or i can drive 40 minutes down to portsmouth and they can bring up my medical my military medical records and see my history i drove 40 minutes to to portsmouth medical Five minutes after I'm in there, they're like, okay, Mr. Snell, we got you. We know what your problems are. Gave me some medicine, got me a counselor, you know, an appointment with therapy, and I went on my way. It was just, it was a, it was a mixed bag of emotions at that point. So I went back into therapy. Okay, well, I didn't really solve my problems. Again, I got good enough to fight. I got good enough to go back into work. 
And I resigned actually a couple of days later without, it was a no notice resignation. I was professionally just, uh, it was the most unprofessional thing I've done since I retired, uh, the way I resigned. Um, and then I kind of worked for myself for a year, but I really didn't work. I was just kind of, uh, kind of going through the days, got back into, by June, I got into, um, no, is that right? Anyway, eventually I got back into working full time and I did it all remote. I'd fly to my client and come home Monday through Thursday. <clears throat> I did a startup down here for six months. <clears throat> and then I got um, back into full time work. And it wasn't until COVID again. I mean, I really my, my mind shifted through the through the process that I developed of you know focusing on these different things. And stepping through, what am I going to do to move? What am I going to do to to improve my mind? And, and something I haven't talked about, I'd like to get into a little bit is journaling. Uh oh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that helps. That helps the mind. Um, meditation. I got into the Wim Hof method of breathing. Uh, even just standing in line or sitting in a parking in a in a at a stoplight, you know, you get stressed out or just kind of feel like, why are these people moving faster? Meditating. And, and right. finally having that purpose really drove me back to I'm ready to work for myself and be successful and do what needs to be done. And that only just happened in the last five months where I, I finally decided I'm done with this contractor world. I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this, this method or methodology or whatever we want to call it. And I'm going to do some IT private investigation stuff. So I, you know, it's really just been the last five months. Wow. Uh, took me seven, eight years to really <laughs> get over it, you know, yeah. but, but, but there, I think there are a lot of guys who go through that, whether it's four years, eight years, 20 years, 30 years, you know, um, we all go through a transition that's unique to ourselves. We have to identify the stressors so that we don't get depressed. And a lot of guys do get depressed when they resign, get out, retire, um, because something they've had for so long, and again, the, the foundation, the purpose of why do I get up and do things, it drops out from under you, mm -hmm. whether you choose it or not. And what I think it was my 10 year mark, 11 year mark. I, my dad had always told me, look, you got three ways out of the military. You can choose to get out. You can die in uniform or they can tell you to get out. One way or another, you're getting out. It's a terminal career, no matter what. And so many of us don't want to remember that. We don't want to believe it. We think the military is everything. We don't look outside yep. the military for for validation, for support, for um, purpose. Man, geez, word that keeps coming up: having purpose. Um, you know that that really changed my dynamic when I I rechanged my mentality towards my meaning, my purpose, my why really changed my, my perspective on what am I doing when I get out of bed every morning? Right. What keeps me going? Yeah. Yeah. Now I had a, um, I had a, someone close to me call me and asked me what, what I wish I would have done when I got divorced. Like what, what would you do now? with all those thoughts going in your head, what were the thoughts going in your head and what would you do now with those thoughts? 
And the first thing I said was journaling. I, I would start journaling right away because what, what ends up happening is you think through whatever situation you're going through, you think it through because that's, that's just nature. We're going to end up thinking through, oh, this sucks or this sucks or this sucks. And then you go through this whole loop, this whole thought process. Mine can go on for two hours if I let it. And it could just go, 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 go. And then a month from then, something comes up and I go through it again. And now I'm yeah. stuck spending more time going through it when I've already solved this. I've already solved this issue and spent the time on it. The only yeah. difference is I, I didn't write anything down. And if I wrote it down, I would have saved two extra hours here by just going back, reading it, and going through it again. It just a, It's guided meditation through writing. Yes. And, and there is a scientific connection between writing with your hand, the mental, the, the process of your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, whatever you want to think about it, and physically writing it, not typing it, not even orating it, but writing it. It's a release from, from here to the pen of negative mm -hmm. emotions or whatever you're feeling. It, it's, it, like you said, it's meditative in the sense that it, it calms the brain. It, it kind of, you know, from, from here to here, it's, it's kind of a release. Right. And, and that, I don't think, you know, many people really engage that. And let's, let's take this out of the military again, kids, what are kids doing in school? They're handed laptops to type everything out. Yeah. They're not really, I mean, my daughter never learned cursive. She doesn't write a whole lot. She types a lot or she texts a lot. But that's not the same thing as a physical, you know, transfer through the ink to another medium in the same right. way that a text is. There's no personality so in a typed is. text, though. Right. It's yeah. And, and then let's go off on another tangent here real quick. Go, go for it. Think, think about the, the emotions that go from a text. Hey, how you doing? Well, what does he mean by that? Yeah. You can't infer, <laughs> you, you can't infer what, what the tone is in a text. Whereas if somebody's writing really fast, I can say, oh, they were pissed or they were stressed or whatever. You know, there's no transfer with a text of what did he mean by you know, the sky is blue. Oh, I just want to be pissed off at him now. What, whatever. I'm, I'm making crap up. Yeah, yeah. But, but you get the point of what's said versus what's received. The text doesn't give you that. So there's no, that's not a human connection that I'm, we're talking about a little bit ago. You've got to have, you know, even a camera, I think is fine. Doing something like this. I can see your responses to what I've said. Right. That's different than a text. Right. And that's, I mean, that's how we even, or I started thinking about podcasting. I just started video journaling out of nowhere. I mean, I got oh, a couple, great, I, yeah. I only did it two weeks or something like that, but I was able to go back that next Sunday and read through my video journals and watch myself talk to myself and watch yeah. how I responded to my own words. And yeah, you can see the cringe on your face when you're thinking something. Oh, geez, would I yeah. really say that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's, I don't know, without any outlets, and that's the thing, like you're saying, is our only outlet now. I mean, even in New York, New Yorkers, I, I, yeah, I want to say it's New York. They don't teach how to write anymore because they have tablets. They're writing on tablets. So you, you, don't, you don't teach them even how to write anymore. And each, 
each person's handwriting is completely unique to their own. It's another, like Kevin's saying, it's another personality you have almost and yeah. the way you write. And they're just, there's no more writing. You're all on your phone. You're all on your laptop. I was, I was one out of, maybe there was four of us, 32 people total in my class last Tuesday. And I was one of four that didn't have their laptop out. And didn't have whatever it was that he like one of four writing things down and having notes just right in front of me. Mostly be, yeah. and my whole class, half of my class is still in high school, senior year, which is yeah. a little tough. But that's that's just what it is. Now. <laughs> it, it happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I tell you what, journaling, um, you know, I was looking earlier while you were talking. I was like, OK, here's my journal. And I just realized, you know, I have these um, these five star you know, notebooks, spiral bound notebooks. Yay, yeah. yay. Yeah. Five star, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I've gone through in three years, six or seven of these just for my journalings. I mean, it was, it was yeah. the first, what I noticed was, uh, it was right, it was before COVID start or just as COVID was starting. I started in February of 2020. Um, I would write three or four pages at a stretch each day. Oh. And then I noticed, you know, okay, that was a that's a lot. Then it would just kind of decline over time, where yeah. I could just write, okay, here's here's what I was grateful for. Here's what I'm I'm looking forward to. Here's what you know happened today. Just a couple of lines, but right. But it it was that that sense of, okay, I've I've taken what I what I was thinking, what I did, what I felt, and I've transferred it again to paper. Uh, now I'll, I'll be honest with you. Some of them were just absolute crap, and I've shredded a couple of them. <laughs> um, and some things I don't want other people to read. But it was important for me to know I could go back to certain days and go, "Okay, I saw a change. I saw a change." I could watch the improvement in my mental state. Um, right. The number of error, the number of errors I made in scratch outs decreased because I started being able to author what i was really feeling in a better way right. and transfer that and that um look you know mental mental health is is a is a tough tough topic to get through and we need to engage people with the opportunity and this is another you know kevin we're talking i said mentioning earlier another resource people just don't think about and it's so easy to do at your own home mm -hmm. you can do it anywhere yeah okay tell me what you're feeling you know because because waiting until you get to a therapist or you're you're really down you're gonna forget you know i i talked to one of my coaches um she's like well i want you to write down your thoughts on speeches or business ideas and i'm like but my best ideas come when i'm running <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't oh, have yeah. the piece of paper with me you know but but maybe that's unique but other people the other times where i'm 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 out um on a, on a plane trip or something, or, you know, I was up in Annapolis this weekend. I got back to my hotel room. Well, I got to remember that idea. And just writing it down so that, because the mind will not remember everything you thought right, or felt. So, so use paper. Right. You're not and always going to have, even if it's a napkin at a bar, write it down and say, okay, I got to remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's another thing I tell you, like you said, I, I started doing paragraphs and pages too and writing as if I'm writing a book or something. And now it, it's just bullet points. And that's what I told when you, when you asked her, I want to get someone, I want to get someone started on journaling. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. Just whatever, 
Well, what do I journal about? Whatever you're thinking, whatever is yeah. going on in your mind, make a bullet point, write it down. It's gone. It's not in your mind anymore. Now yeah. it clears up more space. A new thing comes up and that's just yeah. what it is. And then if you don't, if you don't know what to write, you sit there and you think about it. I, I, I'll sit there with my journal on my lap for 10 minutes, not knowing what to write. But then it gets yeah. me to think it, you're not thinking like that. Other, otherwise, I'm not thinking, all right, what do I need to write down in order to get it out of my brain? What do I what do I want off my chest? Yeah. And yeah. You sit I, there I think, and you think about it. Yeah, I think having um, a couple of going in ideas, you know, going in right. topics. What are you grateful for? What happened today? How did you feel when you woke up? Whatever you know, feel today. Having that can be the, the so that you're not sitting there for for you know a, a period of time. You can just go, okay, I want to write down what I'm grateful for today. Well, I was grateful that um, I got to spend some time with my my kids, you know. But but really, this is how I felt during that time. It it, it will start to flow once you have that right. that initial idea going in so that you don't have somebody going, well, I don't know what to write about. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I, yeah, yeah. I have, I, I have that. I just don't, I don't see, speak about it, but that, yeah, it's normally the right. top is a little summary. Middle is how I felt. And the bottom is normally what's going on tomorrow, scheduling my yeah. day a little bit. So then so having, having that resource, you know, some of these words keep popping up in, in our time together here, you know, having a resource to know that I'm going to journal. Okay. What are you going to journal about? I'm going to journal about these topics day to day and it'll just start to flow and it's it's a much better feeling when you get it out um and then you know i would take my my journal with me sometimes to my therapist you know i know i need to talk to you about this but i didn't remember so let me scroll back in my pages and yep. oh, this is That's how i feel every and, day yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and these are resources that um they're they're simple they're available to anybody why not make it happen <laughs> yeah you know um, even if it's even if it's right down in a napkin write about how i felt and then go to your laptop i'm not a big again i like to write physically but as long as you're you're feeling and you you're you're thinking about these things go ahead and type I, this is for everybody else listening right. that sometimes yeah if that's your method don't don't take my my method as the end-all be-all i just know that there's science behind transferring from mind to pen to paper that act has a much higher effect and release of, I don't want to say happiness feeling, but a more positive effect on the brain physically by transferring it through ink or pencil. It's like the thought has to exist somewhere. It's going to be yeah. on the paper or it's going to be in your head. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there, there is an aspect of the motor skill thinking to writing is a piece of that science. Uh, I, I, I'll find a, a paper, I, a couple of papers I've read on this where there is a scientific reaction in the motor skills to writing and your thought that that, that has a positive effect on the brain. I, I have to find them. I don't have them readily available. Yeah. There's something. Should you cool if I send the final question then, Trev? Yeah, man, send it. Final yes. question. I, I'm in charge of the final questions for the podcast. <laughs> yep, and yep. I heard this word so many times. It's purpose. And that was our first episode. So I wanted to ask you, say I'm struggling, right? How do I find my purpose? 
Uh, you got me. Uh, you got me thinking. You got me thinking. Bad. This is why he's in charge of it. (laughs) You got me me thinking. And the the answer that I will come back with is resources. Another word that we've brought up several times, (laughs) just in the last ten minutes. Okay. Is knowing where to look. Because because if you just tell me to find my own purpose, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to say. Oh, this is my purpose, and this is what I'm going to say it is. Let's go. Because <laughs> because if, if it was that easy, everybody would have their purpose and know how to to write it out and and answer your question. What's your purpose? Oh, I know it. It would be it's 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 too easy. But having resources and knowing where to go, and I would say this: Simon Sinek's "What's Your Why?" Just Google for a YouTube video, and he talks about finding your why. I think that's the, the title of the video. Find your why. There are books on it. He's written one. Simon Sinek has. There's tons of resources on the internet to say, how do I find my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my meaning? What is my why? And it, it's not a easy thing to do because for a long time, I thought, well, I have a, a purpose at work and I have a purpose at home and I have a, personal, a purpose for my individual goals. Mm-mm. We need to think bigger. We need to think of one that applies to all three of those. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a it's a it's a effort to walk through a process to say this is what my purpose is. You know, I call it meaning. Simon Sinek calls it why, but purposes they're synonymous here in this case. It's a process that you have to walk through of what interests you, what's going on in your life, where do you want to be, what is your end game, what's your end state. You know, what do you want to be remembered for? Another word I hear a lot nowadays is legacy. What do you want to be known for? What do you want people to think of first when they hear your name? Okay, well, you've got to go through a, a concerted process again to figure that out. So to answer your question is use your resources. Yeah, I got it. It's a hard question to answer. <laughs> that- it is. The reason we it spent is. a whole first episode talking <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I will I, I remember listening to it and I will go back and listen to it again. But I think, you know, having that you know, when I first thought about how do I visualize the, the four M's, it was a, a Venn diagram, kind of a three-leaf clover of movement, mind, meditation, kind of feeding off each other. But the stem was meaning. Yeah, there we go. That's what I have now. Oh, okay. But the first one was a, a three-leaf clover, but the stem is the meaning. And it's still here. The meaning surrounds all of it. If you don't have meaning, movement, mind, and meditation, there's really no purpose in doing them. Yeah. So, you know, it's foundational to the whole process of moving on beyond depression, oh. anxiety. Oops. Um, <laughs> ignore, y'all ignore that. Yeah. Ignore. Oops, oops. I'm well, glad it was that, the, though. Yeah. Blank out the last 10 seconds. Yeah. Yo. Um, so, so it's very important to have that foundation of meaning and going through a process to figure out what your purpose is. Very important. Yeah, I will add to it's It's a process. It's not something that can happen, you know. Yeah. You're not, there's no answer that's going to be like, oh, okay, well, there's that, you know. It's a yeah. process. Be patient. Yep. 
Yeah, it's a great, great question, Kevin. I appreciate you uh, making me think there. That's what I do. That's what I that's, do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. But yeah, if you got nothing else, Dave, we uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. This was this was incredible. Yeah, thank I've, you so I've, much. I've, I've talked your ears off, I'm sure. So uh, I appreciate being on here. I really, again, it was my first time on a podcast, and it's been a lot of fun. You guys make it easy. I wouldn't know it was your first time by listening to him. You got Yeah. You know, I, I, I told, uh, I told somebody recently, I was told once that I have a face for radio and a face that, <laughs> and, a, and a, a face for radio and a voice. People just want to have shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I can, I know I can talk and I go off on tangents, but, but it all comes back to got to have a reason for this all to happen. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, well, with that, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. We don't have a guest yet, so we'll have to get to searching. We're, we are looking I, into um, some professors of psychology and reaching out to colleges now. So that's the goal. And, yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. All righty.